Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over this past weekend in racing. Joining me in the studio tonight, I have Richard Uden and Louise Torres. What's up, folks? We're good. How's it going? going painfully all right. Painfully all right, just like the rest of 2020. So uh, we had a <laughs> we had we had a we had a jam packed weekend of racing. We we had um, Formula One at Spa. The um, Indy cars had a double header uh, in Gateway, and the um, NASCAR finished up their regular season uh, and set their playoff field at Daytona. So, but let's start off with Spa. Spa is one of those classic tracks has been on the calendar for a long time. It's one of those races that we, you know, like Monaco, we really look forward to. Like, you know, like Monaco or Monza or Silverstone, they're, they're the they're the cornerstone classic Formula One tracks. And Spa is very special all on its own. Um, you know, it's, it's a long track. It can certainly, it's had its share of uh, unfavorable weather over the years. Um, so we ran there and, uh, you know, I guess... Uh, the big news is um, now, Richard. This is uh, one of the races we look forward to. It's supposed to be exciting, but the you know the uh, you know the commentary coming out of the race is that it was boring, uh, and Formula One has become boring. Uh, and some of the other and some of the other drivers, the ones that didn't win, the ones not named Lewis, um, had come out and said that uh, Formula One has become boring and. Something probably needs to be done to spice up the competition, but uh, we'll get into that in a moment. But Richard, let's—there were parts of that race that were not boring. You know, if you look past the, um, you know, the, the guy in the black Mercedes, well, well ahead of the field. So uh, let's let's talk about the race a little bit, and then we'll get into this boring issue. Yeah, I mean, everybody looks forward to Spa because it's it's one of the ultimate challenges for a driver. Um, it's probably lost a little bit of its edge, you know, in recent years with the. Um, aero performance of the cars, but uh, it, it's a real driver's circuit in many, many ways. These, uh, you know, but um, yeah, it, it didn't have that that a normal Spa Belgian Grand Prix has. 
partly because the weather was pretty good. Uh, you know, the, uh, the the mountains there where the track's based is it, it always throws up interesting weather and unpredictable. But it didn't. It was pretty benign this weekend. I think they lost a little bit of free practice too on Friday afternoon with a few showers, but nothing of any real note. Yeah, we've seen spa races in the past where it's raining on half of the track and not raining on the other, which is makes oh, it for a very true. interesting uh, decision with tires. But like you said, this so is if just... you listen to uh, if you listen to the uh, Formula One coverage, especially on the Friday during the free practice, they all play. Formula One bingo, and uh, it's raining on one half of the track, and drown the other is one of the bingo calls for uh, every spa race. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but the thing we love about it, and I mentioned this last week, is that spa, you know, spa wouldn't be allowed to be built today. You know, the Eau Rouge would never be allowed to be built, and La Source wouldn't be allowed to be built, and Pouillon wouldn't be allowed to be built, and all of these long, fast corners just wouldn't be, you know, they don't fit the Tilka Dome model that uh, Formula 1 insists on these days. So it's a blast from the past. It's a little bit unusual. It's uh, it's old school racing in many ways. They have these newfangled inventions called gravel traps, um, which, uh, you know, actually stop a car and, uh, you know, can, can cause you to retire from a race rather than just cut a corner. Um, but, it, it, yeah, it lacked a bit of spice. It lacked a little bit of edge. But it was still... It's still a competitive race. Um, yeah, you know, you had Mercedes formation flying at the front there, and Max was just slotted into third. And actually, what what probably prevented the race from being a little bit more in, uh, entertaining towards the end there was uh, Daniel Ricciardo's strong performance in the uh, in the Renault there. You know, his he was sort of within 12, 15 seconds of the Red Bull for most of the second stint of the race, which stopped Verstappen coming in for a late stop, putting on some soft tyres and seeing if he could catch the two Mercedes. Uh, so you, you lost that little bit of advent, you know, excitement maybe uh, with, with Ricardo's strong performance, but you've got to give him a lot of credit there. He, uh, he, he did really, really well. Um, you know, really, really strong drive by the Renault. Um, you know, very, very, very poor performance from Ferrari. Um, Spa's a power circuit, and as we all know, the issues that have been around uh, the changes to Ferrari's engine from 2019 certainly highlighted themselves. You know, you look at the the time difference between what the teams are doing last year compared to this year. I mean, Williams were like two and a half seconds a lap faster than they were last year, whereas the Ferraris are at one and a half seconds slower. They, they, they were the only team that was slower, even. The other Ferrari-powered teams in Alfa Romeo and, and Haas were, were quicker than they were last year. So, you know, Ferrari have taken a huge hit both on the engine front and on the uh, aero front. So, uh, right, yeah, but it can't. They, they, you know, realistically, it can't be all engine because their sure. cust- their customer engines are beating them. So, exactly. so, so they're so they're they, you know they're, the, they're in double trouble. Ferrari, yeah. One of the nice things about uh, Spa is it really differentiates the car and the car setup. You've got sector sector one, which basically from the source to Lacombe is, is flat out for twenty maybe twenty five seconds or something, twenty, twenty five seconds. And then the last section, um, you know, through Blanchemont and places like that, you know, you've only got the bus stop chicane there to, to, to really be a period where you you you're off throttle. So you've got the first section and the last sector are really the high power 
parts of the track. And then the middle sector is the aero part of the track. And you can really see the differences of how the cars balance out. And, and what will happen with most teams is they'll pick an area to be you know, competitive. Do we go for the high uh, you know, sectors one and two, or do we balance it out and maybe be a little bit quicker in sector three? Um, and to show Mercedes dominance, they were just quick in all three sectors. So, you know, they could, they could just balance it out. They could trim enough or they could add enough downforce so that they were still competitive in sectors one and two, but then also probably the fastest in sector two. Uh, so they managed to balance it out really well. Just shows the strength of the Mercedes package there. But uh, it did lead to a relatively mundane race. Um, there was a nasty incident with uh, Giovinazzi uh, going off, uh, coming out the fast chicane in the, in the, in the back of the, the track and uh, hitting the wall. Very hard. Uh, so hard, in fact, we saw one of, I think it was his rear right tyre came off the car and collected George Russell. Um, yeah, thankfully, it, it hit wheel to wheel on Russell's car. It didn't, uh, you know, bounce any higher than that. And it, it did highlight the, the benefits of the halo. Mm-hmm. It had bounced a little bit higher. The halo probably would have protected uh, George Russell there. And he made those comments post-race. You know, there's a huge amount of, um, you know, for all the detractors from the halo, and I understand a lot of those, you know, you didn't want another uh, Henry Surtees style incident that we saw a few years ago at Brands Hatch, unfortunately, where 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 the young guy lost his life from a tire bouncing back from a similar accident and hitting him in the uh, or entering the driver's cockpit area. But, so that was the only real excitement of the race. It brought out a safety car, which in many ways neutralised the race. Everybody that started on the soft tires and the medium tires were like, "Well, we've got to stop now because it's a free pit stop." put on the hard tyres and run to the end. A few people tried different strategies and tried to mix it up a little bit. Um, but Perez and um, Gasly actually stayed out on that safety car, gained a few spots, and then later in the race pitted again and, and went onto the medium or the soft tyre and, and managed to drive the way through the pack. Very, I mean, I think Gasly won. He was fantastic. Yeah. The Albon again was, was okay in the Red Bull, but the fact you have both, excuse me, um, Hamilton, Bottas up there with you know the two Mercedes drivers neck and neck, and Verstappen's trying to fight them two on one. There's no rear gunner, if you like, for Red Bull. They can't throw a strategy curveball and try and put Mercedes off their game. They have to fight. You know, the Mercedes are a huge advantage in that scenario. So we talked about this endlessly. Red Bull need a number two. Not no, that came out wrong, didn't it? They need a second driver. <laughs> yeah, a guy that with with Max, and not necessarily beat Max, but at least be within you know three or four seconds at the end of the race. Somebody that with twenty laps to go, you could pit him and throw on some super soft tires and be like, okay, you know, it gives Mercedes something to think about because at the moment Mercedes are just indominant. You know, they can just control the race with their two drivers up there. You know, they. They double stacked the drivers when the pit, when the safety car came out, and there was just no drama really. It was yeah, see, the, for them. yeah. That's that's the main complaint is that there's the two Mercedes up front, and then the rest of the race behind them, and and it's it's a, yeah. for, it's a foregone conclusion, you know, nine times out of ten that it's going to be you know Hamilton and Bottas on those top two steps of the podium, you know, unless Bottas yeah. runs into some trouble or you know the occasional. You know, Max wins a race here or there. So, well, but let, it was but an interesting article I was reading. So, very quickly, on, go on ahead. This, you know, you, you'd seen obviously uh, since Daniel Ricciardo left Red Bull, um, you know, Max has been the clear number one, and Pierre Gasly came in last year and had an accident pre-season, which sort of, you know, 
knocked his confidence a little bit. And, and you know, you could see from a lot of the words coming out from Red Bull, they never really backed him. Uh, and then Alex Albon's got it. And in all fairness, you look at the results, hasn't done any better than Gasly, really. But now Gasly's back at Toro Rosso, and he's, you know, probably the standout driver of 2020 in many ways. Yeah. I mean, he's been very streaky and consistent as of late. Yeah, so what is this telling us? Is it telling us that Red Bull is like a Max Verstappen-centric base team, which I think Daniel Ricciardo alluded to? Or is it that just Verstappen is that good? You know, is he so, you know, especially because, you know, he was, you know, Daniel and Max were close. I think Max just had the edge, but Daniel, you know, both of them were pretty close. But is it that Verstappen is just genuinely so much faster than than most of the guys out there. Is, is it only really Hamilton that could hold anything to Max? You know, because Max doesn't have a, um, you know, a, a comparable, you know, really, because he's dominated both of his teammates in the last year and a half. I think yeah, you know, the I time think will it, tell yeah. how they'll do well, because, oh, hey, because there's people saying how certain drivers are going to do with different rides. I think it was like Montoya said that, sure, Hamilton's the top guy, but we at least saw Alonso what he can do with different teams that are probably inferior equipment. It'll be interesting but, to see know, how Verstappen does if he eventually ends up going somewhere because I saw a poll of who would be the better of the Mercedes if Verstappen was the number two guy. Obviously, he has no intention to be the number two guy. He's obviously going to fight with Hamilton, but the question is who will win in identical cars. And I think as much as from a, you know, a romantic standpoint, you know, we'd love to see a 1988 season again where you had a Lacey and Senna, oh, sorry, uh, Prost and Senna there who were probably at the, uh, the peak of their careers, you know, going at it every race and winning 15 out of 16 races, I think it was that year. Yep. Um, but, you, you know, Mercedes are too clinical. They know the risks and they had that when they had Rosberg, they know the risks of basically having two number ones. You know, so, so as much as we'd love to see it, as much as we'd love to see Hamilton up against an Alonso or a Verstappen or a, it's just not going to happen because it's too much of a risk, and the senior management Mercedes will just never let it happen. Um, yeah, it's the same. So it's the same they're... scenario that played out in the Schumacher years at Ferrari. Exactly. Yeah, well, Eddie, 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 Eddie Irvine wanted to compete with his teammate, and then the next thing you know, they said, hey, we need us a Rubens Barrichello. We need a good company guy, and, yeah. we'll, and we'll throw him a win every now and again. Just like Ricardo Patrese uh, as the number two to Mansell. At Williams or Burger with Seta, yeah. That's, yeah. And that's what you mean by a good number two. You know, like, like Ronnie Peterson with Mario in, in the late 70s. You know, it's... it's <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. We see, see uh, when there are two guys that are desperate to be number one, it could be a blessing to start off, but it would be one moment will become a detriment. I looked no further with DDA Peroni and Joe Villeneuve at Imola. One lost his life, perhaps, probably with a sense of virgin, and the other one had his career cut short. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, it's, that's... It's too clinical these days, the sport. It's too business-like, you know. They, they've got to... You know, your end game for a team like Mercedes is to win the world championship, and to do that, you've got to score the most points. And how do you go about scoring the most points? Well, you you need two guys that are going to finish first and second, and that's pretty much how it's playing out at Mercedes if everything goes according to plan and they execute properly. Um, you, you're not going to get that guaranteed week in week out with uh, Hamilton. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And Verstappen, as much as we'd love to see it, it's just, you know, just not going to work that yeah. way. I mean, look at last year, we saw something. It would have, obviously, Ferrari are, no, are nowhere near where they were, but hopefully, if, if we can't get Hamilton Verstappen as one team battling out, we can hopefully, fingers crossed, eventually we'll see Verstappen, Hamilton, and Leclerc fighting for the World Championship, all three battling for race wins, because yeah. I saw last year was a great sneak peek, like, look at Silverstone, it was shaping up to be a hell of a race, and then Giovinazzi puts it in the kitty litter and pretty much changed the whole dynamic of that entire race, which kind of was unfortunate, because that was getting oh, really yeah. good. Yeah, you know, the, when you get those guys at the front there, and you know the 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 they're definitely Verstappen and, and Hamilton, and I would I would say Leclerc's getting there and has the potential to be there. They're on another level, you know, compared to whatever. And it's just eking out those extra millimeters. And I don't think there's any question on Verstappen's. I'm going to use the word racecraft. I don't think there's any. There's still a few questions over Leclerc's racecraft, and I'm talking wheel to wheel racing here. But how often have we seen Hamilton, you know, make a move? I mean, we started in Hungary last year, I think, didn't we, where he beat Verstappen. But very rare, because he, you know, he's in the fastest car and he's controlling the race, so there's no need for him to do that. But wouldn't you just love to see a, um, you know, Hamilton, and I'm talking real wheel-to-wheel racing, mm-hmm. where, you know all bets are off sort of thing. Let's just go at it, lads. You know, let's yeah. see who is the best. And that's what we're just crying out for. And Yeah, and we haven't seen that really since when Rosberg was around. Even the even Brundle was hoping that, pretty much implying hopefully somehow, some way that Voltas can step it up a notch. But here's the thing, as much as he has, I think going into Monza is going to be very key because yeah, he got that one-year extension. He really has to step it up. Otherwise, he'll just be like the modern-day Mark Webber. Well, where... that's exactly what he is, though. That's exa- And that's exactly what Mercedes wants. And that's you exactly know, why he's... they extend his contract one year at a time. Yeah. You, you've been a good boy and, this year. You, know, you let Lewis won, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, they said, and you then, know, then, I, then you can I, feed I... your family next week, you know? So yeah. exactly. but let's, let's, I... let's, let's, let's examine a few things, guys, because I, there were a few topics that came up. Because realistically... Uh, you know, the Mercedes domination is not going to come to a, a stop anytime soon, particularly with the rules frozen for next year as well. So there have been a couple of uh, different people who have brought up different ways to spice up the racing. Uh, I believe Christian Horner 
had had chimed in that he said that he he believed there should be no one stop races. Everyone should be required to make uh, mm-hmm. minimum of two stops. Uh, we've done some. Yep. We've done Pirelli's done a few things with tires with having to use different compounds. Um, so, uh, what what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, is this? I mean, realistically, is adding another pit stop will it really spice up the racing, or will it, or is it just going to create an artificially smaller gap that is just going to just go away once Lewis drives off to the sunset? I think what you need is unpredictable unpredictability with the tires. You know, you, you go back to 2012 when you had seven winners in the first seven races, and the reason that was caused a lot of that was the operating temperature window for those tires was so small. And when we talk about operating temperature windows, you know, it's the the surface temperature. Of the, oh, no, actually, really, it's the bulk temperature of the tire. The best temperature for to get the optimum performance of the tire. And it's it is relatively small uh, in the, on those early 2012 tires, and it was hard to find. You know, you remember Maldonado winning in in Barcelona for Williams. You know, I I wasn't there at the time, but you know, going there a couple of years afterwards, talking to the guys that were actually at the track that day, they looked into that. You know, in reality, that weekend they just got the car set up right. You know, they could have changed a camber by a half a degree, and they'd have been running around tenth or something. You know, it was literally such a fine margin that they just looked into it. And so many teams did that at the start of the year. And then towards the end of the year, Red Bull seemed to hit the sweet spot with that. But, you know, you, yeah, two stops would help, but you need tyres that are unpredictable. I'm not yeah. saying you need tyres that explode everywhere. but No, that would be tires. bad. No, yeah. or <laughs> ban tyre change, because that would be even worse. We saw yeah, we've seen the effect how that of 05. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, it's they need to do something, I think. Uh, tires are the key, I think, to, to, to that. And, you know, especially with, you know, when with them going to the new era regulations in 2022 now, it, it'll put more emphasis on tire grip. Uh, you know, you're, they're going more to, and I hate using the phrase, mechanical grip style racing, because that's not a real thing. But, um, you know, they they need they need to do something and i think ties is where it's at and yeah two stops will help but i mean what's wrong with having three is probably maximum you don't really want any more than that but you want tires that are unpredictable now i'm not saying you want a complete dud set of tires that the tire that the drivers can never get into the right wind you know operating range but you know you need mandate mandate all three sets of tires say you've got to run the hard the medium and the soft so that's guaranteed you two pit stops and then, can, you know, configure each tire so they have different operating ranges. Not massively, but just enough so that you're never going to be optimized or you can only ever be optimized for one set of tire. So, well, you know, we're going to optimize ourselves for the tire. Well, we don't, you know, okay, so we're going to do, you know, our, our softs are only going to last five laps or ten laps, whatever it is. The medium is going to be great because they're going to last 20 laps, but then that still leaves us you know, another 20 laps at the end of the race where we've got to go on the hards, which, you know, we can probably push a little bit harder because we need the temperatures or whatever it may be. Just do something in there to to take the monotony out of it. We've talked about this so many times. You're on a harding to nothing here. You're never going to win this battle because what will happen is you turn around, you make, oh, well, we're going to change the tyre regulations. Okay, make the racing more exciting. Okay. So the teams with the most money, Mercedes, are going to go along they're going to hire 20 tyre specialists and they're going to create, you know, 100,000 more tyre models for every race scenario 
and then they're going to have the optimum tyre map, and they're going to just go out and continue to win. It's a very, very difficult thing to fix, because money will push the boundaries of, every, you know, push the limit of everything, and the teams with the most money eventually will win. Otherwise, why spend the money? If you're not going to... You're not guaranteed from winning by spending the most money, then why spend it? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, if, if you look at some of the most competitive racing in the world, it's it's where it's it's a much lower cost than it's a spec. Uh, but which, if you were to do anything anything like that, you, you tear the heart and soul out of what Formula One is. Of course you do. You of know, so you there's, so there's you, know, and, it, you know, and even if even if you start to do some, you know, some kind of very American things like. Uh, you know, competition yellows and bunching the field no. and this and that again. No. That that tears the heart and soul out of what Formula One is. So I mean, there is I mean only, yeah. we saw it again. We saw it again this weekend. And there's only one rule that I think Formula One should adopt in from NASCAR, and that's the restart zone. We've seen it a few times in the last few years where the safety car releases itself and says, "Okay, I'm going in." The leader, you know, he turns the lights off. The leader of the race is now the leader, you know, the, the basically the safety car. And the only rule is he cannot pass the safety car. So he's playing this, like, cat and mouse game of, right, when do I go? I've got to go as soon as possible, but yet not catch the safety car. So you're going, safety car is still out on track. So your engineers are trying to work out when the safety car will enter the pits, and you want to be, level, you know, a foot behind it to be in the optimum position. And I think we saw Azerbaijan a couple of years in the safety car. I mean, Lewis was so close to passing that safety car, and that's dangerous. So I'd like to see them have a restart zone, not necessarily do two-by-two restarts, but at least have a zone where, you know, it's a little bit more controlled. That's the only thing that I've carried across. I I wouldn't mind such concept because sometimes... It'll probably make it a little bit more or closer and make them sink a little bit more. And if they jump it before or pass the pace card and they get pen, they get a ten, five second or ten second yeah. penalty added to their time rather than just go through a stop through and all. Because honestly, I think that will help in a way. And I wouldn't mind such thing to occur because imagine if we had something like that as pod. You probably see a whole different or any race for that matter you then we'll know who is masterful on making the most out of it because what we saw with paris and ghastly imagine if another safety car happened and they bunched up the field had a restart who's to say they would have gained more spots or more momentum yeah oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. so let's uh interesting Let's uh, let's move on and let's talk about some of the um, some of the rumors flying around about uh, drivers uh, next year because uh, Nico Hulkenberg, if you believe what you read, is going to be racing everywhere from Haas to Alfa Romeo next year. Um, they, there's different high grade rumors or low grade rumors depending on uh, where you get your news that have him uh, replacing um, Grosjean at Haas, <laughs> and another rumor has him uh, replacing Kimi Raikkonen at um, Alfa. And then the uh, the other interesting rumor is saying that uh, you know the other the second Alpha Romeo will be driven by Mick Schumacher. Um, and again, these are just rumors at this point. We don't know if anything is ever going to become of this. But although it's it's probably pretty likely that uh, Grosjean is in his final season with Haas. I don't. Uh, I think um, Gunther Steiner would be pretty adamant that they need to shake up the driver lineup there. Um, I believe Magnussen is probably safe. 
Um, but so let's talk about Mick Schumacher. Um, we were discussing him a little earlier off the air. Uh, he's running Formula 2 this year. Um, he, he's not won a race, but um, do, you, do you feel like he's ready to jump up into Formula 1? I mean, he was pretty solid in some of the junior series. And... I mean, he's had the most podiums, um, you know, in, in Formula 2 this year, and they've got another half dozen races, I think. Six, well, six rounds at two races, uh, five rounds maybe at two races a a weekend, so you know, there's every chance that he could end up winning the championship. I think the problem that Ferrari have got is almost similar to what Red Bull had a few years ago. You know, they've got an abundance of talent on their junior program. You've got three of the top four drivers in Formula Two are all part of the Ferrari Academy Robert Schwartzman, who's leading the championship, Callum Eilert, who's second, and then Mick Schumacher, who's third. Now, you could argue Schumacher is the weakest of those three, he's the only one without a race win this year. Um, and but Schumacher brings the name recognition, uh, which sure. is, and, and, you, and, we, and we all know that uh, you know that's it's that type of stuff is good for the sport. Oh, I agree. So. But then you look at, and I'm not, you know, but you you, you go back, look at Bruno Senna, very 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 good driver, very competent driver, but not, you know, not mm, not not as good as his uncle, obviously, no. and you worry. No. You know, I mean, it makes done incredibly well, and he he's coming for a little bit of criticism because the guy I don't want to use this in rule. I want want to say he's a slow learner because that's a little bit unfair. But he, um, you know, he always takes a couple of years to get up to speed. Um, and you know, if, if you see that in um, Formula One, does he have that time? You know, with the name. Um, you know, you look at yeah, which is maybe why you put him in an Alfa Romeo for a couple of years. If the end, if the end goal is truly to have him in a Ferrari and be heir apparent to his father's throne, of course. But you I mean, know, he's so... only what he's only he's less. I mean, he's less than a year younger than Max Verstappen. Yeah, yeah, he's you a know? young guy. Yeah, he's he's. He, but you know, this time last year. You know, at the, at the same age, Verstappen was a multiple Grand Prix winner. You know, Mick Schumacher is, is uh, has won one race in Formula Two. Mm, you know, does that? Um, where does that put him? You know, I don't know. I well, we'll he... see. Time will time will tell. So, uh, and this is again, you know, all contingent on that uh, Kimi Raikkonen actually does retire because uh, that that rumor keeps uh, popping up. Although Kimi said nothing solid. Although I, I don't think it would. <clears throat> hurt his feelings to, uh, you know, go off into the sunset and spend some time at the pub. Because um, we know Kimmy enjoys that. So, uh, oh, so anyway, yeah. so we're off to Monza next. Do we have a week off in between, or are we, are we heading right to Monza? We're going straight to Monza. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about Monza. and um, This is uh, Ferrari's home track where they love to shine, but uh, unfortunately... I don't. I don't it's see. It's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a nightmare for Ferrari. The Tifosi, uh, they're probably glad there's no fans. <laughs> you know, uh, for for one for one race in Italy, they don't they don't have to worry about. It. Then the next one, they have to worry about performance. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so uh, obviously, you know, Mercedes, your top dog, Red Bulls, right there. But the the third best team uh, coming out of Spa, the third best team was Renault. You know, after yeah. after uh, you know, Racing Point had a, a decent beginning to the season. So, uh, so how do how do we feel um, Renault's chances are to uh, maintain that third best team status? 
I think it'd be strong. It's a very, very similar, um, you know, very similar setup to, uh, to to Spar in many ways at Mons. I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. Again, I don't think you can see a huge change in the pecking order coming uh, this weekend. But, uh, you know, there's maybe a few more passing opportunities at Monza uh, into uh, Retifidio is the first chicane and Varianta Basta is the first, second chicane and then Varianta Alta's the third. I can't remember now. Maybe I'm getting Imola Corners mixed up in there as well. Anyway. It's, it's entirely possible, yeah. yeah so. It could be, that, yeah. That's why we number turns um, in America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and as I was actually talking about Spa, you know, I mentioned this in our group chat the other week. You know, at Spa you have the corner with no name, and everybody calls it the corner with no name. Therefore, does it have a name? Yes, it does. Yeah, Evidently, it does. the name is the corner with it's no like name. Yeah, so shit in the woods, you know. Yep. So, um, yeah. Speaking of speaking of a good number two, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like we have this horrible theme throughout the show tonight. We need to stop. We, do, we need yeah. and we need to behave. Um, do you guys want to pick? <laughs> you guys want to pick a winner for Monza, other than Hamilton? Because I, I, if you ask me, Hamilton. Ham, Hamilton, Bottas, or Schumacher. I don't see it, or not Schumacher, rather. <laughs> for, for stopping. Um, I, I don't really don't see it unless something crazy happens. So you know, I don't see it either. It's a back to refer to Renault. I think they have a chance. It's funny how they're finally are doing better as soon as they got their wish with it comes to racing points. It seems like it distracted them, but now they're getting better and better. We'll see. They got to carry that momentum. They're going to be considered that 13th because right now I think we're have a three-way fight for third between McLaren, Racing Point, and Renault. And I feel like if Renault could get out of this time period, Bonsa, with a strong run, then I would see no issue how they don't get third. Because right now, when it comes to racing point, they just have to properly execute a well-thought-out race. Because they haven't, honestly. Especially Paris, as you saw with the strategy. And he, he gained all these spots, but that strategy didn't really work out for him. And, and the same thing with Gasly, but as well, who's, like I mentioned earlier... Who's to say how they would have done if this certain things happen in their favor? Certainly. So that'll be it'll be interesting to watch Mons. It always is. Uh, and I know Richard, this is the time of year you love with all the uh, proper circuses you like to call them. So. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. So we'll be up <laughs> Sunday morning watching watching uh, Monza. So. Um, yep. Meanwhile, the IndyCar series had two races this weekend. Had a doubleheader at Gateway, and the two races were very different from one another. Don't you say? Don't you think, Louise? Race, race number one saw Scott yeah, Dixon Scott Dixon win his 50th career race, which is a nice milestone race. He's only two away from uh, uh, equaling Mario on the all-time list. Only 17 away from uh, uh, equaling AJ Foyt on the all-time list. So I mean, that's you know, 50 wins. That's uh, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And of course, you know, Scott has uh, uh, earned. Every one of those, um, and he earned this one with uh, Takuma Sada right on his tail in the closing laps there. Unfortunately, Takuma not not able to uh, make the pass stick. It looked like passing was a bit difficult, um, a little less difficult in race one than race two. Uh, now, race, race two was won by Joseph Newgarden, who's trying to keep his title hopes alive there. Uh, a little bit of good strategy on Newgarden's part there, um, Put him up front at the end. So let's uh, let's let's talk about race one. I thought uh, uh, for me, 
one of the most exciting things in race one was uh, Renus VK. Mm-hmm. I think VK, either race one, I think you're thinking race two where VK started deep and got by all those cars. It's, it, it's, they kind of parallel, but yeah, VK had a really good showing, a really good effort, because remember, in the 500, he was having a strong run. He's adapted to these almost really well, well, except for Texas, but we'll wipe that out of the category board for for the, this year since he, we know what he's done since. He's kind of matured a little bit more. He's still raw, which who's to say what that mean in the future. But, yeah, he had a really good showing, to say the least, is make that rookie of the year battle very, very tight between, I think it's going to come down to him and and Palou, because right now oh, award. Been, no, that's right. Oh, yeah. No. I keep, no, I keep I saying an award is a, a rookie of the year, but he's not. He had no, he too, was too many starts. Yeah. 500. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Pardon me. Yeah, I made that mistake a couple weeks ago on the show. I just, I just still want to categorize him as a rookie because he never yeah, really, really never really got a full season off the ground. But he, he has more starts than we think because he was in that uh, that Carlin car for a while. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, award another guy who had a great weekend, two podiums. Yeah, two twice. I felt like pit the final pit stop really bit him, and what I mean, it really bit him because. He's had the strong race. We saw what he could do in clean air, but a very slightly slow tire change, both on the right side and both races, slowed him down just a tad. And when it comes to pit stops, you want to be on it on that last pit stop, especially when you're dealing with New Garden and Scott Dixon or even Will Power. You want to be on it. Just very little mistakes, but also I think it goes down to experience that also hurt Pato a little bit because he mentioned in race one where they just – struggled to cope with the fact how they were not able to find that speed that they had. And I think it goes back to, again, experience because Dixon and even Takuma Sato pulled away with ease on Pato, race number one. Race number two is more or less just clean air is king. Yeah, race number two went green nearly the whole race until – you know, Sato, Sato got, hit got a little uh, – he, he brushed the wall. I mean, I wouldn't even say he hit the wall because he kept going. Um, mind you, under yellow for three laps. And, again, we've got the people that are upset that we should have red flagged that and, and had That a, one, no way. It no. Was my, I think it was like a lap or two fewer than Indianapolis. Even if it's a brush wall, you got to bunch them up. And like I said, we don't want another 1997 Indy 500 fiasco when it comes to that. No, where, no, we sure don't. So where they had a yellow and then like uh, then on the back stretch, they decided, no, we're going green. And yeah, it, it was a complete disaster. We don't want another USAC-esque officiating in that regard. But it, yeah, for race number two, it was the only caution aside from Sato was just two laps just to clean up the oil that the vehicle, the police patrol vehicles left in their little parade. But I want to add something to the race number one. We talk about Ferrari, how bad they are in Formula One. Let's talk about Andretti Autosports' rotten luck, shall we? My goodness, they cannot catch a break. Yeah, we're they lost with three cars on the first lap. Yep, we're literally Colton Herta, although quiet, and except for, like, Iowa – He's been pretty, he's the only Andretti car in the top ten, the only one that's basically stayed out of trouble. He's been carrying them, and this is not like the full-blown Andretti Osborne. This is the the Hardy Steinbrenner portion of Andretti Osborne, and they're still having the consistent runs, which they need. But yeah, I mean been, Rossi Rossi's been good this season, but he's been uh, he's just not. been struck with stupid things happening. They had the 
the electrical problem in Texas where he was he was late to the start. And then he was, uh, you know, in Indianapolis he got the penalty, and then then he ended up hitting the wall trying to to get back to the front. And then this racer, he's he, he's taken out in 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 you know an incident that's, that's not his fault at all. Matter of fact, a lot of people wanted to throw uh, Will Power under the bus uh, for leading the field too slowly uh, to the green. And I like how we're talking about this because then we talked about it last week or a couple weeks ago about yeah. the 1982 Indianapolis fire where we don't want something. I think it was literally last week where we were talking about about the start where Mark Go just couldn't go and Dixon got by with the East in turn number one, how they, the front row was already split and all of that. It's interesting how things work like that. And I'm not sure if Michael has that same sentiment when he said in the interview, he pretty much threw it. Zach under the bus for being kind of like sort of accountable, but that's just a deal where Palou went left, the field were bunching up, and then just a whole mess. And in fact, Simon Pagano as well, he had a pretty bad weekend as well, where essentially Pagano is not, not going to win the championship. He's out of the equation. As a matter of fact, I think, can we safely say it's Dixon and New Garden and maybe, maybe award in the title mix with just. At minimum, at maximum five races to go. Minimum three. Yeah, I would. I, you know, I would start carving Dixon's name on the trophy right now. Uh, honestly, you know, because you're you're, uh, you know, you're looking at minimum. You know, <laughs> for the the minimum Dixon's going to get is if if he DNFs in all three races, he'll still get fourteen points for the next three races, right? Or or. You know, or if there happens to be five races, get, you know, so so there's there's that there. So anyone else is really going to have to win out while Dixon is at or near the back. So which I, I'm not saying it couldn't happen because, you know, theoretically it can. But, uh, yeah, because I would, when he's not having those great races, he's still in the top top ten or just outside the top five. And, and it's like. Even the ones he's nowhere near in contention, he still finds a way to get a, a good points to run. And with Sadro finishing, I think what was a ninth, despite brushing the wall, if he who's just at this moment, I think he's battling for third for the championship. And because I don't think we can equi- factor Texas into that equation at this time. Maybe if he gets very strong momentum, who knows? Because he's won in every configuration, so who's to say? He doesn't compete for the win, but say he does, then we got to go back to Texas, which I'm not going to look into right now because, right, this is like I said, it's either a two or a three man battle with just very few races to go. Yeah, certainly. I mean, certainly the double points in Indianapolis helped Sato's cause, and Sato was strong in both races. I don't, I don't know how his his strategy uh, went awry in in. Race two, long he, he, yeah, because he tried to, to he tried to do the overcut, and but he but he easily led the first what 40, 50 laps of the race. Yeah, he had a really strong showing at the very beginning. Yeah, but then, then his he, then he he decided to to you know to stretch his fuel and tires as far as they would go, rather than than trying to do the undercut. He tried to do the overcut. And then it just didn't work out for him. By the time he pitted, the other guys had pitted. They had fresher tires uh, back out there while he's running around on older tires. And then, then when he when he came back out after his first pit stop, he was mired in like sixth or seventh. And then he was pretty much there the rest of the day. So that the strategy backfired on him, 
but otherwise he had a very strong car and he had a very strong car in race one he was contending with dixon for the win he just couldn't get around him so because the passing seemed to be quite difficult and again they they had talked about this um they expect that it'll be better next year when it goes back to a night race uh just because with with the cooler temperatures and and whatnot it, it seems to be a little little easier to pass is uh the article i was reading earlier today so but we'll see yeah we'll we'll see whether it's mid ohio or the harvest grand prix whenever that might be because yeah right now, we'll, we'll either have a doubleheader mid ohio in september or the next race is not going to be till october 3rd at the indianapolis motor speedway second, uh when i i say second because it's a doubleheader doubleheader oh yeah the second and my third birthday yeah, so. on the second so obviously i know <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting because the rest of the city, we don't know if they're going to be three days. We don't have there's there's, there's low grade rumors that that if Mid Ohio falls through, Road America is ready to host another doubleheader, and that would be interesting and fun to watch. But uh, again, putting putting a thing together on short notice is 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 a bit of a challenge, and and then still, I mean. Things have been pretty quiet coming out of St. Pete too. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get that off the ground because I, I we're talking October 23rd on that one, and I don't, uh, I haven't heard that that COVID cases are declining in Florida at all. So uh, yeah, they're, they're still that, having that, folks in those races. Yeah, I was going to say that may that may be in jeopardy as well. I, you know, of course they can have <laughs> Roger can hold as many races as he wants to at the Speedway since he owns it with no fans. You know, like like this weekend, they're having four races between uh, the the uh, Indy Pro Series and the Formula, uh, the F2000 Series are, are running there to try to catch up their uh, their missed races. That's running without fans um, this coming weekend at the Speedway behind closed doors. So yeah, it's all it's all up in the air. That's that's why I say just go ahead and start carving Dixon's name on that trophy. So yeah, yeah. right now. I, I will not be surprised if we just have three, maybe two. At worst, it'll be just Indianapolis. At best, we still have those five remaining races. But right, that's why Gateway, I view it as like perhaps maybe as the closure of 2020. Time will ultimately tell, of course, how that goes in that department. Because I, there's no reason, honestly, if we should know this week. If we're going to Mid Ohio next or not? I, it, yeah, because the race, the race is le- less, than, the, less than two weeks away is what they had said about their target today. Although you know they could have that thing in October, you know, because they said yeah. they postponed until September or October. They could have it between the the uh, Harvest Grand Prix and the um, the, the season ender St. Pete. So it's not, you know, it's not totally gone yet. But Green Savory. Uh, the promoters desperately want to have that with fans because they need to generate some income this year because all of their other races are canceled, you know. Yeah. So and you can't and you can't blame them. You can't blame them one single bit. Road America did a great job hosting fans. Gateway did a great job hosting some fans there, um, as did uh, Daytona this past weekend where the Cup Series was to finish their regular season. I'll make sure we talk about uh, yeah. NASCAR before we run out of time. So. We had another first-time winner in NASCAR mm-hmm. uh, who, uh, on virtue of that win, locked himself in the playoffs, and that was young William Byron. Um, and the, the 
funny thing about it is, yeah, the Daytona race was relatively clean for the first three quarters of the race. And, and even was, the, the commentator I'm, talking about, you know, we haven't had the big one yet. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And sure uh, enough, they were right. And then we had a couple of big ones. Yeah, it was shaping up to be a sub-230. What I mean by sub-230, I meant two-and-a-half-hour race. It was shaping out to be beautiful because it, it was a real enjoyable race. Everybody was being mindful, using their heads, because that is my big criticism with modern-day super speedway racing since the stages were implemented, where they just don't use their heads. But they've been better about it to save all the shenanigans till the very end. But all it does with these shenanigans is they got to throw these bunch of red flags, which I'll get into detail a little bit on that. Then what's really – when the race started to fell apart from a quality perspective was when James Davidson had a right front tire gone down. Fortunately, it's not like what happened in the Indianapolis 500 where the brakes didn't explode. It's just a simple cut tire. And then <laughs> I cannot believe nobody picked up on that. That It's the same spot where he had the flat the tire problem at Indy had it again at Daytona, except just a regular tire, not the, not a brake. And then lap 152 is when it went off the rails. Tyler Reddick tried to do a slide job on Cowboys, slapped the wall, collected multiple cars that eliminated Eric Jones from the playoffs for the first time since he was at Joe Gibbs Racing. He And then Kyle Busch was mad. Ryan Newman was livid. Kurt Busch was pretty calm, but disappointed of what happened to where Reddick, who, was, who had to win, because if he didn't win, not only he didn't make the playoffs, rookie of the year battle over, because Cole Custer had that Kentucky win, so obviously well, we talked about this, where the rookie of the year system could use some potential improvement, but it's just how the nature of the playoff system goes. Which Certainly, yeah. And for, for Reddick's part, uh, he was, his, his post-crash interview, he was very composed, and, yeah, and he, t- he took responsibility for it. He, he said, yeah, that was me being stupid or something along those lines. Or that was a stupid move yeah. on my part. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's, one, it's, it's one thing to wreck everybody in the field, uh, but it's another thing to man up and say, yeah, that was pretty stupid. Uh, he, and, yeah. again, like you said, it's just that urgency with, you know, the laps winding down, trying to get – you know, he had a good run, and, and he, just, he just tried to get back in front of Kyle – Way too quickly, and and took yeah. out a bunch of cars. Yeah, it took out a good amount of the cars, and that's the same thing. You reminded me of that Texas last year, last November in the Xfinity race. He held himself accountable, and he said going to those last few races, particularly Phoenix, that he hopes he doesn't do something stupid. And lo and behold, he did it and won the championship. But when, and then when Newman said he just ran out of talent, and it's it was things were going green until some goof a goofball ruins it. It's like classic Newman. Yeah, Newman won't hold back. Yeah, Newman will oh. tell you what's on his mind, won't he, Richard? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now, now, Richard, you uh, you work with Reddick a little bit. Um. Mm, no, I never did. No, not quite. Okay, you were that. He's after your time. Uh, yeah. so well, I know I know you worked with Newman quite a bit. So, uh, so I mean, what what was your take on this whole? Uh, as Louise called it, shenanigans. There were plenty of shenanigans in the field, and all the restarts yeah. were uh, more shenanigans. So, and I know Richard. Did, did you get a chance to watch the race? Uh, I watched some of it. Yeah, I did. Uh, I mean, it's it's a super speedway race, isn't it? 
you know, yep. especially the cutoff for the playoffs. I don't know if I like it as a cutoff for the playoffs, but it, you know, it throws this bit of a curveball. I mean, well, I don't know. You, you can argue you would yeah. have known the schedule for the whole season. I, pers- but, you know, I personally have- don't, as far as the decision. Yes, yeah, popular, but I personally, it's a nice vice up. It's better than having it at Indianapolis, but at the same time, you're just asking for it. And I'll discuss about the second big wreck after this. That one did. There was another one later on. Yeah, I mean, I get a little bit frustrated when some of the more experienced drivers say, oh, you know, the young kid ran out of talent. Well, it's like you've never made a mistake, but, you know, of course you have. They've, it's a learning process. It's a, you know, nobody gets it right all the time, especially in the rookie season. And you, I know he didn't win rookie of the year, but for my money, Reddick's been the standout rookie of 2020 and deserves the accolades that he's getting. Um, I, I, I except the accolades from Ryan Newman. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, well no, maybe he did deserve that say. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and, and maybe he did, but you know what? It's all part of growing up, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody gets it right all the time, especially at that age. And in that sort of, you know, the thing I love about um, super speedway racing is the intensity of it. You know, you've got 500 miles or 400 miles or, uh, you know, of, of racing. And, you know, you cannot stop. You can't uh, take a, a, a break. And you, you look at it and, it's just, you know, a normal race, like at a normal mile and a half or two mile over, you can just coast around and, you know, not have a breather, but you're not necessarily always on edge. Whereas... At, you know, Daytona and Talladega, there is no, you, you cannot switch off for a second. And people are going to make, make mistakes, especially rookies. They're rookie for a reason. Uh, even the yeah, veterans yeah. have made mistakes too, where Joey Logano and Danny Hamlin were blocking the hell out of each other. And then Bubba Wallace and William Byron decided to jump in. Even, I think if I recall the lap prior, Matt Kenseth was in this mix, trying to crash all the party. And then, couple bumps later, another wreck happened where it took out Jimmy Johnson out of contention and Tyler Reddick for good. Yeah. And Johnson, for the second straight year, he misses the playoffs, and he missed it by just six points over Matt DiVetto, which you I think... At, it, uh, it's also, sorry, going back to the previous point on Ryan Newman, I just want to point mm-hmm. out, yeah. not so much the last couple of years, but for the good middle run of his career, what did Ryan Newman do at Super Speedways? Just and, drop um, to the back and just yeah. ride around the back for, you know, 180 of the 200 laps. So yeah, I yeah. Wait till you know they criticize the people. Which is yeah. which is the exact which is the exact uh, strategy uh, Brad Keselowski employed on uh, on this, this yeah. race this past yeah. weekend. He just he stayed in the back. Waiting for the big one. Then I, th- I think he ended up with a ninth place or something like that after after exactly. just stay, sitting back there in 28th. I mean, let these other guys fight it out. Yeah. I, I, I'm safely in the playoffs. I you know I don't I, I don't need this. You know it'd be, be nice to uh, you know bring uh, bring the guys a car that's not <laughs> crumpled up and 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 folded into pieces. At the end of the day, and then he ended up with a good finish just by just you know staying staying behind uh, all the mess. Yeah, it was very yeah. unorthodox for Brad to be in the back in those play races. Of course, come Talladega, when I'm who knows if he'll do the same plan. It worked out no. where 
especially on that last lap where like Boyer, Harvick, and Ty and Dillon decided to just wreck at the last lap that led to Byron winning the four the four hundred mile classic that should still be in the fourth of July. That's just my opinion. But it was an it's just one of those things where you gotta play it safe. Brian under and I imagine Brad understood why he played it safe. Whereas the other ones like a Byron or DeBenedet or Johnson or even Christopher Bell, they know they had to win the race. And do I blame them for what they were doing? No. But since now, I'm let, saying, let, let, let me ask you this question question because yeah. I haven't really studied the points quite as deeply. Uh, but now if Byron had not won the race, would he still been in the playoffs with a second or third? Yeah, on, he'd be on safe. points. Okay, so he was still relatively safe. Well, yeah, although, you know, at the Johnson end of the day, going into up. the playoffs with a win is uh, really good for your psyche and the momentum for the team. Yeah, I'd admit, yeah, Johnson would have been safe because Johnson lost out due to DeVenedetto having a six-point cushion. Byron was already ahead of DeVenedetto regardless, so I think he Johnson would have still missed it regardless of that incident. It was a valiant effort to keep him going, but I knew from that point it was just – too little, too late. They were. They did an admirable job to keep the car going rather than be passing the six-minute rule where if you pass it, you're done. Because that's how damage vehicle policy works. Right, right. Nonetheless, it was for Byron, first win of his career, first win for Jack Canal since Johnson at Dover way back in June of 2017. First time the 24 car have won a points-paying cup race that counts towards the championship. That counts towards the season calendar since Jeff Gordon and Marsville 2015. Of course, 24 has won between the last one from Gordon and the first one driver with Elliott winning one of the duels. And, of course, this earlier this year, he Byron won the duel race. So there's been a couple times that 20, the number 24 visit victory. But when it comes to the big deal, the one that matters most, it's been almost five years. That's been a while. So, so good, you know, good for them. Good momentum going into the uh... – Going into the, the the chase or the championship, or the, what do you call it, the playoffs these days, right? Yeah, they call it the playoffs. The playoffs. So the first playoff race will be coming up uh, Labor Day weekend. It'll be at Darlington, uh, and it's also throwback weekend. We've seen a lot of the um, neat liveries uh, that people are bringing up. I, I mean, this is uh, an event that, that I've really grown to enjoy over the last couple of years since they started doing the throwback liveries. And I remember, oh, God, a couple of years ago, the guys in the booth got into it. They were wearing 1970s fashion. Um, and we've seen some of the crew guys wearing the old, you know, plain white overalls with the stripe down it. Um, it's just uh, it's just a lot of fun. And they've, they've sold it out the last uh, several years, although I don't – are we doing with limited fans? Yeah. Are Darlington, is that correct? So, From what I understood, it's limited fans. They all allow them this type of route. And also what's going to be key is the third time this year to go into Darlington. Of course, that's the venue where the season resumed way back in May where they had the the Sunday race and then I think it was like the Wednesday race. So mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of those drivers are going to rely on those good old notes because, of course, no practice. They're coming with the exception of Richmond and the Roval. They're all going back to the circus they've already competed in. So it would be a different, interesting dynamic how things will do. Could we see Kyle Busch actually be in the fight and win now that we're going to circuits that they haven't run with the system, or we're going to see the same? 
because some of those drivers in the playoffs have been saying Eric Almirola is a dark horse. Maybe he'll shine through because it's not that long ago that Almirola was a, a strong restart away of maybe making it to that championship four and 18. And with Almirola being more consistent this year, got a contract extension along with Byron as well. I think we're going to, I don't, I won't be surprised that Almirola will amount in a good championship charge. But of course, I still think it's going to be Harvick and Hamlin. That's going to be two out of the championship four. Yeah, Harvick, Harvick and Hamlin have uh, both been the class of the field this year. And then the next the next closest guys have been Keselowski. Uh, and, and Keselowski tends to – he tends to be up and down. You know, they have a good run for a while, and then he'll just, you know, kind of – Kind of be there, um, but uh, Darlington is is one of his better tracks. Yep. Uh, so but he's got to um, get through those Gibbs cars as well. Yeah. I feel like yeah. And I will not count Truex out as well. He's had those strong run top fives. Just needs to get that win. So I will not be surprised if Truex could be a strong contender for one of the possibly two remaining final four spots, along with. Yeah, so Truex, if, Truex is is uh, always a guy to uh, deal with, uh, you know, over the last couple of years. So I mean, Truex, Truex has just had a very interesting career. <laughs> you know, I think he, uh, uh, he he had a long time where he was just an also ran, and, and then then suddenly he's uh, uh, there's times where he's unbeatable. You know, he just the guy. You know, the his his current situation suits him well. Um, he he's grown into his role as a top top-level cup driver and, and a champion. So uh, Truex will be tough through the playoffs, as will the aforementioned, um, you know, Hamlin, Harvick, Keselowski. Um, Logano uh, should factor into the mix as well. Um, Richard, anybody else you think is going to be strong through the playoffs? No. I mean, you could get a wild card thrown in there, couldn't you? Um, you know, yeah. Chase, maybe? Chase, in, for sure, you know, yeah. On a, on a road course, maybe. Well, we got the uh, Roval. We've, we've got, got the Roval right course? there. Yeah, yeah. Roval's coming yeah, up. Maybe yeah, that can, I don't so, know. Of what, course, I you know, know Cole, Cole Custer could go on a tear and win four in a row. Mm, <laughs> or not? Mm. Or Austin could do that. Oh sure, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. well, guys, we are yeah. right out of time. So, uh, you want to pick a winner for Darlington, there, Louise? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Hamlin. And Richard? Yeah. <laughs> I would have said Hamlin as well. I think that's the Hamlin or Harvick. Um, well, then, then you can have I'll Harvick. Do a Harvick then. And I'll, uh, I'll go Keselowski because uh, he's won a couple of Darlington and uh, you know that's my guy. So, anyway, well, folks, we're out of time. So, I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Speaker, and Google Podcasts. I want to thank you, Louise. And I want to thank you, Richard. And I want to thank you, folks, that listen to us. Until next week. Good night. Lucky Land 
Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.